Welcome listeners to another episode of the Stimulate Run podcast. Welcome back to returning listeners and welcome to those listening for the first time. I hope you managed to catch up on previous episodes and enjoy what is to come. If you have enjoyed the podcast, I ask if you can leave a review, which will make it more visible for others looking for something to listen to. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at iSwinney88 and Stimulate Health. If you have any suggestions for future guests, feel free to send them through to me via direct message. Welcome listeners to episode 10 of the Stimulate Run podcast. My guest for this episode is Wayne McMurtry. Wayne is a former member of the Australian Army. On this episode, he shares his story about life in the military, the challenges servicemen and women face when returning to civilian life, and what more us civilians can do to assist those close to us who might be struggling with the transition into civilian life. Wayne discusses how running helped him join a community when his aim was just to get as far away from joining one as possible. Most importantly, Wayne shares his upcoming event that he's a director for and how we can assist in creating awareness for his cause. Even though this is primarily a running-focused podcast, please share this with your non-running friends, as I believe we can all do a little bit more to support causes such as Wayne's. We are all either directly or indirectly linked with somebody who serves their country or has mental illness, and by raising awareness, we are opening the door to assisting in prevention. Next time you see a serviceman, say thanks. They are one of the main reasons we are able to live our lives. We do today. Enjoy this episode with Wayne McMurtry. Okay, listeners, um, I'm honoured to have um, this person on today, and I think it's going to be really informative, and hopefully we all walk away with something that we can just do a li- little bit better and a little bit more, but also educate the general population um, around the area that uh, he's really focusing in on, and also get a bit of airtime for his cause, and hopefully um, we also get people out there to jump on board. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Wayne McMurtry to the Stimulate Run podcast. Thanks for having me. Much appreciate it. All right. So Wayne, you're the director of the Run for Resilience um, campaign, I'll call it. Um, you're an Australian um, Army veteran um, who now uses running as a vehicle to raise funds and awareness to supporting veterans, first responders and their families to overcome trauma. Am I correct in correct. some way? Correct, yeah, yeah that's, correct. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, running's a, a really great tool that a lot of people use to, to deal with day-to-day issues, a great way to, you know, download the day's information and process it. Um, and I found for myself that running is such an amazing way to, to help overcome real deep issues, mm-hmm. um, even if we do do that unconsciously to start with. So it's just been an amazing way to get into it. Oh, perfect. So do you want to give us an idea of where the journey began and then who you are and how did you get to this point? <laughs> um, that could go for a very long time. <laughs> uh, okay, so basically in, in 2015, um, I had sort of just started my running career. Mm-hmm. I say that in, in, in quotation marks, just because um, it was really when I started just becoming interested in running. You mm-hmm. wouldn't say career as in you know, the elite level type sort of stuff, but... I was developing my understanding of what it meant to actually run longer distances. Now, I guess the catalyst for that was in 2015, I actually got made redundant from a job mm-hmm. that I'd had for a few years. And that, that in itself gave me a lot of purpose. Um, it had you know, a lot we do with, with a lot of the things that we have in life, including work. It's what was my purpose. It was gave me my identity. It gave me... Um, essentially my reason for being and I put so much time and effort into that that when I went through the forced redundancy the impact of that was that I went into a really dark place mm-hmm. now using using the running which I started doing as a way to then process those thoughts and better understand sort of the journey that I was going through was just a really logical way to do it mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually understand that that was what was happening at the time. Though. Okay. I just knew that I didn't want to be around myself mm-hmm. when I was feeling that way. So I figured if I can't stand me, why should anyone else have to put up with me? Yeah. So the easy way to get away was just to go for a run. Mm-hmm. So I started running longer and longer distances. Um, 
And over time, I really did just go, wow, this is opening up a whole different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was processing things. And it didn't mean that, um, you know, it was a miraculous cure. Um, It didn't mean that, you know, the problems went away. It just helped me better to deal with them day by day. The further background is that prior to that job, which was working as a remote area paramedic in the Pilbara, Mm -hmm. I was in the military for 17 years. Um, I left the military in 2011 after I was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, There were a whole bunch of issues related to that. And one of the big problems I found when I actually separated was the loss of identity, Mm -hmm. the loss of purpose, the loss of who who I was. So I had to find who that was again um, initially. So when I discharged, that was in 2011. I was diagnosed with PTSD in 2009. I worked in some various roles around the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and by throwing myself into work without actually paying um, due regard to what was actually going on inside me, I had, you know, I was just masking the issues. Mm-hmm. You make yourself busy and you don't think of anything else. So, you know, working out... Uh, in the Pilbara in a remote area there wasn't much support externally so you had to deal with a lot of things now what I mean support was um, um, on site other other medical support on site Mm -hmm. so basically we were responsible for the lives of everyone there were times when you know extreme weather flooding cyclones um, you know evacuation aircraft or vehicles couldn't get in or get out so we had to had to deal with any um, any patients we may have had, and so you develop, you know, a level of, um, I guess, self reliance, mm-hmm. and the team around you is what supports you through that. So when I lost that job in the in the uh, mining industry, um, that really uh, gave me a, a massive separation again from something that had that purpose, which is what happened when I left the military. Because I didn't deal with that issue leaving the military, mm-hmm. it then came to came the forefront again, again yep. when I left um, left the, the Pilbara. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I cascaded into that dark place. But luckily this time I had um, you know, an inkling that I enjoyed running. And so I just started doing that. Yep. Over time, um, over, the, over the next couple of years, as I ran further and found that I enjoyed it more, I got to meet more of the community and... We basically, or I basically discovered that there was this ama- amazing sort of microcosm, um, if that's the right word, like ecosystem, mm-hmm. that grows around the running community. And then through that, I'm like, you know what, I'm actually building building relationships that I didn't think I'd have again. Yeah. I was building a purpose that wasn't focused on my work. Mm-hmm. And because I was passionate about it, mm-hmm. it allowed us to really, or allowed me to really... Um, you know, really find that sense of deep purpose that yep. was bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that's that. <laughs> yeah, you almost, in a roundabout way, you went to running to escape, but then you found like a community that was there that you, in a way, were never really part of a community and that grew. Yeah. Um, so, th- why did you choose to go to running? You wanted to escape, I suppose. You Maybe you saw, okay, I'm going to go to an individual sport. Maybe that was behind it. Why not cycling? Or, you know, did you always have, even growing up, were you interested in running? Or was it just, okay, I'm going to take up that thing because I can be as far away from people as possible? It, it essentially was because it was a way to get away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, most other sports, they tend to be you know, team-orientated. Mm-hmm. You have to spend time with people. Uh, I didn't own a bike. Yeah. So... Uh, couldn't just easily go riding (laughs) that's the easiest way to do it um through through the time when i was out in the pilbara i spent a lot of time in the gym there was a great gym there there was a running track and so you know that physical um release was something that i was always able to get but when i was put in a position where i didn't have access to that gym anymore um I, i essentially just gravitated towards the running and it it, it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. It was just what was readily available. Yeah. Now, while I was working, you know, I, I did work with some other people who also ran. And so that's how I actually got introduced to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I already did have an understanding of, of a group of people who I could go and run with. And there was a community. So I'd already started down that path. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't really cemented until after. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then I suppose you probably took up, you just dripped into it and then came endurance running. <laughs> How did that come about and then why did you, I suppose, rip the band-aid off and go to endurance running? Yeah, well, basically I think um, I decided that that having an outlet was important. I could continue to just go and run by myself, you know, go into, go into the into the bush and go for a run mm-hmm. um, but what I what I found that I was beginning, beginning to lack I guess was that without having a real community because on running on your own doing your own thing you didn't have people with you but finding finding a, a real community where you can actually go and do an organised run where you can test yourself against other people mm-hmm. where you can basically push yourself further to find out what you're really capable of and I, I started grabbing gravitating towards organized events and going further because each time you do a distance you're like okay how can I better that how can I do more and that became the focus so you can then focus on having something to work towards mm-hmm. it's not just going for a 20k run on your own it's going for a 20k run with a group of other people in an organized event so if you're doing a half then you know when I went to the longer and longer stuff I just found like I really liked the challenge. Yeah. I really believed that that was giving me something and that connection to the community of people. The main reason that I found connection with the community was in the military, you, you have a, a band of people around you who you work with, mm-hmm. you give your life for. Um, you essentially have a mission mm-hmm. and your mission is to make sure that everyone comes back. Yeah. It doesn't matter what struggles you go through and when you're out on a on a patrol you know it's it's tough mm-hmm. internally it's tough because you've got to fight your own um you know your own fatigue your own weariness your own mental doubts your own fears but you've also got to then support everyone else in that that patrol while you're going out so then what i found was that i could actually replace that sense um of community in the running community mm-hmm. in that when you go and do a run that's an organized event everybody at the start line has the same mission is to get to the to the finish yeah it's to push through all those inner demons but then the, the awesome thing is that you have um you have all these people who are there who will support you as you go mm-hmm. and so if you run past a runner or another runner past you you always have a chat yeah it's an amazing way to learn so much about people in just a few minutes because mm-hmm. when you're so fatigued you do just talk yeah um, you don't have any barriers up. You're all focused on achieving the same thing. Sometimes it is just a fleeting passing moment mm-hmm. and you don't have a lot of um, interaction, but other times you spend some time. And that, you know, you're helping other people through, but by talking to them, you're also helping yourself. It's yep. a two-way street. And then if there's an issue along the way, almost everybody will stop mm-hmm. and make sure that you're okay. Even if it is just passing and they say, hey, you're okay, and you say, yes, it's cool. Um, and it's that, that bond um, that is created through really arduous circumstances or um, events mm-hmm. that creates a connection. And so then, you know, you can go further. You help them next time. It gets bigger and better. And Yeah, yeah it's something that you do see in the longer events for some reason. I'm not sure if it is. Everybody has to really go through that and pop through the glass almost, you know. Yeah. And everyone's going to have it, whether you finish in half the amount of time. I was talking to our last guest and they were they wanted to do Western States one day. And Western States is such an amazing event where you get more people almost that are there at the end to support the last person than you're almost getting for the winner. And I think it's almost... And the winner normally comes down as well because of that recognition of, Jesus person's been out there for, you know almost double or triple the amount of time triathlon's very much the same you see that massive crowd at the end of Kona Um, you still see you know a lot at the start but they they just know that everybody has gone through that whereas you know in a 10k sometimes people are gone if somebody's (laughs) taken two hours to do it Um, so it is and trail running almost has the same kind of community where it's it's almost taken away from the competitive nature of it so um so in 2018, you completed 22 days, 1,500 kilometers in Queensland. Can you give us an idea of why you chose this journey? 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so in in May of 2018, I actually did a run over in Bali called the Bali Hope Ultra. Mm-hmm. And so I met an amazing group of people there. Um, Samantha Gash was one of them. She's an amazing endurance athlete. She's done quite a few big runs. She's done, She did a run across... Uh, India mm-hmm. for girls and education. Um, I also met the the organizer of the Bali Hope Ultra, Tom Hickman, and he wasn't he. You wouldn't call him a runner because he he doesn't really. Well, he runs. It's, it's weird to say that. He he decided he decided in twenty seventeen to run across Bali mm-hmm. to raise money yeah. for um, for a charity, and so then. He, he got most of the way. He had all sorts of troubles. He, you know, a dog stole his shoe. Um, he didn't quite make it to the finish, so he never actually completed the run across the island. Mm-hmm. Then in 2018, in May, he had organised an event, and so a bunch of bunch of runners from around the world turned up and were raising money for us for a charity called uh, Bali Children Foundation. Mm-hmm. And what I experienced during that event was so many people coming from so many different places who didn't know each other, but within the week that we were together, amazing bonds were formed. Yeah. And basically I think that, that we all came together for such purpose that, you know, nobody nobody DNF'd, everybody made it to the finish, 84 Ks, uh, across the island of Bali overnight. And that really inspired me to try and do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that there was a lot of problems um, in the veteran community where you know there are a lot of people who are struggling a lot of people facing isolation you didn't know where to reach for help um and you know there's there's common trends across the civilian population in australia as the military population or veteran population so i'm like you know what if i can do something that is targeted at veterans mm-hmm. but we're going to interact with people in the communities as we go, mm-hmm. we're going to have a bigger impact and we're going to be able to do something. So then I started looking for a route. I'm like, okay, what can I do? It has to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at, at different things and I came across a, a coffee book, uh, a coffee table book in um, in an office, in an office in, in Mackay actually, because that's where I was living at the time. And it was about the troop train reenactment that they did in 2015 of um, the 1915 uh, troop train that took troops from central west Queensland mm-hmm. Hinton, to Brisbane and then on to, to war. Okay. So some of those guys um, that were recruited in, in Winton actually ended up going to Gallipoli. So back, way back in the day. Now that was also in 2018 was also the centenary of Armistice mm-hmm. by the way. So um, I got this idea that I could run from Winton to Brisbane and I thought, yeah, that'd be really great. You know, that's the, that's the route that they took and it'll sort of reenact what they did, but do it by running as opposed to catching a train. Yeah. And then I thought, hang on a minute, it's Armistice. Armistice is about the end of war and coming home. And I thought, there's a lot of, there's a lot of veterans and first responders who struggle with leaving, you know, their, their war behind. Mm-hmm. They struggle with coming back into a normal... Um, a normal civilian life, mm-hmm. so let's call it that. And I thought, you know, if I run from the middle of nowhere into a big city, it doesn't really doesn't really show or talk about the isolation that you experience when you start to leave a major population centre, mm-hmm. because a lot of um, a lot of you know veterans when they discharge from the military, they don't stay where they where they were posted. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily go back to a big city. A lot of people do come from small country towns in regional Australia. And so I thought, if they go from a major population centre where they have all the services and supports, but they're going back to a place where they might be the only veteran, no one really understands them, they're isolated, it's hard to access support. What if we can show that it doesn't matter where you are, there are people who understand? Mm-hmm. I found understanding in the running community. So I thought if I like running, I can run, I'll run out to Winton. So I'll go from Brisbane to Winton. It highlights the isolation you experience. It it really showed the tyranny of distance because it was 1,500 k's. Yeah. Um, but each town and each community went through. We stopped and we had conversations. We met with people. We went to local RSLs. We went to community groups and visited a couple of schools. Um, and through doing that, we got to spread the message that 
you know, there is always a way to find hope. You can always find some sort of passion and purpose and some sense of belonging. It doesn't matter where you are. And quite often it means taking up a sport or doing something where you have to push yourself so that you're in a difficult situation, but with a community of people with you, you can overcome that difficulty and you'll build resilience. And so then Run for Resilience was born. And, you know, you almost take it to the country towns specifically. I think there is a lot of... There's a lot of mental health that goes on. Uh, You know, all it takes is one drought and or you know yes. bad rains and you just see what can go through a whole yeah. community and it almost opens up a lot that was already there and it just took that one natural disaster almost to open it up yeah. um, because when the hay was you know everything was shining it was great but that underlying issue was already sitting there so you guys going through you know almost just sheds some light and also provides hope in a way as well for people that would have been sitting there anyway um, you know, civilian population sitting yeah. there going, oh, well, like, I'm actually going through this, but coming from the country, we're supposed to be big and tough and strong, and um, I'm sure there would have been at least one or two people per community that might have gone home and gone, geez, you know, that for me was massive, having you come through my community. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it was, you're right. And when, when we actually went out there, that was when they were having one of the, the worst droughts that they've had in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was one day I was running down this long long stretch of just straight road it was crazy and it just looked so barren either side so dry and in the distance there was this this haze Mm -hmm. what's that ended up being that there was a dust storm that that came across um that's pretty horrific to try and run through so it was hot and it was dry and it was dusty as hell yeah um and that really made me go wow these these people are actually in a lot of a lot of hurt and struggle because Mm -hmm it is so dry and so as we got speaking to more people um you know we were getting told that that people were having to you know either move their their cattle off the land and send them elsewhere or just put down um you know vast numbers because mm-hmm. they just couldn't feed them if they couldn't afford to feed them or they couldn't afford to move them they had to they had to put them down and that's just all there was to it and so for a farmer who actually cares a lot about their farms and what they're doing you know they have to put down a whole head of cattle would be a difficult, difficult thing. Yeah. Um, but by by us visiting and coming mm-hmm. through, they were like, "Wow, people are coming through. Why are they coming through? Well, they're just coming here because they they, they want to share some, you know, hope that something's going to get better if you just push through that that glass barrier, yeah, that glass um, obstacle." And so these communities were actually grateful that we were just coming through because we were visiting and we were having conversations with them. Yeah. And even though we may not have brought much to them, like, with, you know, we, we weren't bringing hay for their cattle, mm-hmm. we weren't bringing water, we weren't bringing any funds for them. Um, but the fact that we were visiting and that we actually see or cared um, and had conversations, they loved it. It was great. And it's almost, you think about it and go, that day and the week and the week leading up to is great, but it's almost a month after or the months after whereas you know for that day we see it on the news and we see the disaster on the news and then we all we see a can on the corner someone holding it we put some money in and go oh we've done that's great we've done our bit see you later but you know that tin that money's going to run out in a month so it's we I think as society we almost you have to invest in the long term play instead of going oh I've done my bit once see you later that's it so um, I think that's just something that we almost have to continually remind ourselves that um, the journey, it's a journey, not just a once-off splash in the pan. Yep. Um, can you give the average person out there listening an idea of things that we can do if we have friends or family um, who are veterans? Um, yeah. Look, veterans don't necessarily want to be treated any differently to anyone mm-hmm. else. You know, we, we generally understand that, that we voluntarily served our country mm-hmm. in, in most cases um, we haven't had conscription since Vietnam War mm-hmm. so um, you know especially contemporary veterans they've all volunteered mm-hmm. they're they're quite happy to try and get back into a normal life but they just want people to understand that you know they may have seen some terrible things and 
their 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 demeanor or responses aren't necessarily always meant to be taken on face level mm-hmm. um so i guess it's like the old you know don't judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. just because someone looks upset and grumpy doesn't mean that they necessarily want to be yeah um you know if if you've got friends or family who were serving just engage with them in conversations mm-hmm. ask you know like 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 with anyone you know you, know, you always need to ask are you okay that's mm-hmm. important but having genuine interest about what it is that they went through and allowing the veteran to tell their story is important mm-hmm. um, because quite often there's a sense that when you come back people don't really care yeah uh, or they they are, they they have a level of disbelief when you tell them the things that you may have gone through or things that you may have seen and if you don't feel like what you've done is important to someone mm-hmm. else then it's very easy just to withdraw and become isolated mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems facing veterans is essentially social isolation because they don't feel that what they did was important because no one cares mm-hmm. or at least that's the perception and so just asking a simple question about you know what they did while they were in and allow them to, to communicate that if you can ask you know why they why they found that such a such a significant thing or what positive things they found out of it and then you can help that person then I guess find purpose after service because if they better understand why they thought something was good and then it's lost then they'll better know how to replace what was lost yeah do you think we're undereducated still as civilians um or we also don't want to know (laughs) (laughs) maybe there's a little bit of both of that um I think I think we're all so caught up in our own lives that we don't often consider much outside of you know our own circle of influence yeah so to speak that's not necessarily a bad thing Uh because you know everyone has their own lives everyone has their own concerns and if if we don't educate ourselves as to what else is out there and what else is going on then we can become very insular um we can even just come across as being very um selfish or self-centered but that's not actually the case so by being open to more of what's going on around us and having conversations with other people mm-hmm. who are you know outside of a normal social circle um we'll probably find that we can have a greater impact with those around us great uh these three words relentless forward momentum uh, were mentioned in your promotion video can you elaborate a bit on what they mean yeah um relentless forward momentum really is is all about not being concerned if if you hit an obstacle mm-hmm. if you're consciously wanting to overcome an obstacle and you can allow yourself to utilize you know available resources and so that you know you hit the obstacle you overcome it and you keep moving forward it's having that drive to continue moving forward if you don't and you become stagnant then there's a good chance that you know you'll wither and die you're not going to grow mm-hmm. we're always in a continual we should always be in a continual growth process um, each challenge we face should help us to grow in some way whether we decide to let that grow us uh, or not is an individual um, decision but if you continually choose to not accept the challenge and you don't learn from it you don't grow then you only become stagnant you don't become who you're going to who you are supposed to be so relentless forward momentum is essentially about the journey or the process of continual growth Mm -hmm. and if you don't continually grow then you're only going to go backwards and you won't become fulfilled yeah so i saw um online as well you mentioned in 101 years you almost think that veterans are still facing similar challenges which i I found staggering you know you think of the general things in life that are developed in 101 years that we have now Mm -hmm. um can you give some examples of that you know that hasn't grown and 
how do you think things can be fixed so it doesn't take another 101 years and they're still the same? Yeah. Um, the, big, the big problems are, um, as, as we've kind of discussed, when people come home, they, they lose that connection with the peers that they had during service. Mm-hmm. The, the general problem with that is that when you go into somewhere where you're isolated from your peers then you don't have that connection to the outside world. It's difficult to talk to people about anything other than what you know. Mm -hmm. And if those people around you don't understand what you're saying, then it becomes difficult to actually engage in a conversation. So a lot of veterans, they go into, uh, I guess, social isolation Mm -hmm. because they they have trouble having conversations about normal things. Yep when they come home their perception of what's normal is vastly different to what it was when they left and that's a difficult challenge for the veteran and the community and their family to actually overcome much to be said for you know first responders as well because they do often see quite a lot of significant significant trauma mm-hmm. um so essentially at the end of world war one and world war two and every other war but end of World War One, when the you know veterans came home, essentially they went back to the places where they came from, and people didn't care what their own story was. Mm-hmm. The country had been so involved in the war that once the war was over, everyone was like, "Let's forget about it." But there was a, a portion of the population that couldn't forget it, couldn't forget about it because they were there. Um, so they wanted to come home and share their stories, but people didn't want to hear them. So then they became isolated. That isolation then, um, you know, led to all sorts of ongoing, you know, mental and physical health problems. Mm-hmm. And back in, you know, back, back 101 years ago after World War One, there wasn't knowledge and understanding of how to overcome those things. So if we fast forward to today, you know, veterans will come home or anyone in the, in the military will leave service and they still find that there's this isolation because they don't know how to transition mm-hmm. and become civilians again. So we can fix it, not an easy fix, but we can fix it by helping veterans return back to normal life. Now, the transition pro- process at the moment doesn't really give as much training in the transition back from the military, but mm-hmm. when you join the military, you get trained really well. Yeah. We train our troops to, to go to war, but we don't train them to come home. Mm-hmm. And so by putting processes in place to help train people to come home from war, then we can help overcome all those issues. Okay. Uh, ultra running and running in general involves a lot of mental fortitude. What processes do you individually put in place to keep yourself mentally strong? And then what tips do you have for the general person? Yeah. Um, the main thing is, is knowing the reason why you're there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's also the, the main the second thing is, is knowing that you're not going to win every day so if you've got a plan about how it's going to work out that's great the plan probably won't work or it won't it won't last you know the, the whole run mm-hmm. just because of the fact that things change um, but if we fail to plan we plan to fail yeah. and so then by having a structure and routine in your training and in your lead up and you follow that same structure and routine in the race or the run, doesn't matter if it's a race or not, you are more likely to succeed. And only through you know, learning from your own mistakes mm-hmm. can you develop better tools. And so the mental fortitude that you need, um, you, know, you almost need to have at least one DNF that significantly knocks you about to then understand how to better overcome that. Mm-hmm. You can make you know you can learn from everyone else's mistakes, but until you make your own, you're not going to learn. Um, so, some of the things I do is I I look at structuring each run in a way that it's basically chunked down so that you can have it in smaller in smaller um, pieces. Whether it's to the aid stations or whether it's the five k's or whether it's the ten k's, and then during that that time there are set things that you do, mm-hmm. and if you get into that routine, whilst you're able to actually think and you're not so fatigued that you can think and keep yourself positive it's easier to do that so then when you can no longer actually um, 
when you're not when you're no longer actually thinking coherently, then those things just happen automatically, as opposed to, um, you know, if you if you haven't basically practice or work that muscle you're not going to have that muscle memory mm-hmm. and so then you're more likely to have some sort of failure or struggle perfect uh so you look it seems like you live quite a holistic life um has that always been the way and i suppose what do you what do you get out of that um okay it does definitely hasn't always been the way uh when you're when you're in the uh in the military you're you are taught to, to train hard and play hard. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're living to extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am not going to lie, when I first got out of the military, I sort of took part of that, that with me. And that's not something that is necessarily uncommon in society anyway. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do go, well, if I'm going to work hard, then I want to play hard as well. Yeah. Um, that's all fine and good, but you need to have that, that holistic level of care for yourself. Um, I read, I can't remember who, who I read it from, it was a, an elite athlete, and basically he breaks up his training so that a third of it is actually rest and recovery. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's rest and active recovery, I should say. And so if, you're, if you apply that to your whole life, you know, if you work hard and you play hard, you, there's got to be rest in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not allowing yourself time to to de-stress and assimilate what's going on in your life then you're going to end up with all sorts of troubles the troubles may not necessarily be mental health it could just be you know something happens that you don't know how to deal with and so then it all starts to cascade because you haven't built that in Um, so developing structure and routine in your life and doing doing things in a way that allows you to have those, you know, one third, one third, one third areas of your life, then I think you've got more opportunity to become a better person. Um, I found running, um, I started doing some yoga, I also started doing free diving, and I learned that all of it was connected to breath and breathing. And so being conscious of breath is important. So if you're not stopping and being conscious, then you're probably gonna have some issues. Mm-hmm. So it's part of that holistic life having that opportunity to have that active recovery, um, trying to be more of a conscious human that makes life a lot better. Yep, great. Do you follow any specific diet or, you know, is it, I know last couple of guests actually have been plant-based. <clears throat> um, is there anything that you specifically focus in on or? I'm also plant-based. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I decided that being plant-based would be a good thing in 2014, I think. Um, I'd actually done a, um, I did a WTF that year. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I decided that I should probably look at being plant-based for more of a holistic reason. Yeah. Um, get better nutrition, can operate better and do better things that kind of went out the window a little bit when I when I was made redundant in 2015 um, but then I got back on board when I started seeing things in a different light again and understanding that that you know diet is a massive part of of your life and if you're not fueling yourself right just for day-to-day life then you're not going to be in the optimal condition about to do what you want to do because I do choose to do things that are fairly extreme mm-hmm by having a poor diet, I don't think I would be able to recover and continue doing what I do quite so well. Yeah, absolutely. How did you, so were you plant-based when you were working away at Mind Sites and? <clears throat> um, when I initially was away, no, and then, yeah. but if, just before I finished I was. Yeah. Okay, so for that brief time, did you find that a challenge? You know, even getting options because year of Mind Sites and I know people work, and it's very much, you know, Marie style how did you kind of really make sure you stuck to that um, and got the best part of it (laughs) (laughs) Um, sticking to it wasn't too difficult because it's a conscious decision yeah Um, if you're making conscious decisions in your life then it's it's easier to actually follow through Mm -hmm. if you're just relying on habit then you're always going to revert back to the bad habit Um, so out on site 
the, yes, there were lots of Bay-Marie's, mm. but there were lots of Bay-Marie's full of, you know, different salads. Yep. Um, you could make your own salads. You could have their pre-made salads. You could do all sorts of different stuff. Options weren't probably as good as what you would find in the city mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, um, alternative protein sources and all that sort of stuff. But you could take that to work. Mm-hmm. You could use a microwave in your room or in the office to, you know, microwave some tofu if that's what you needed to yep. do. Um, and then you add that in with all the salads that you could get. It, was, it wasn't really too difficult. Yeah. And sometimes the challenge gives control. Yes. Um, because you don't have that availability of, oh, well, today I'll just slip up, but tomorrow I'll jump back on. Yep. It's very much, okay, well, I've got to take this with me, use the microwave, and then combine with what's there. So if, especially if you're just starting out on it, it definitely, the limitation is probably a good thing. Um, I think also just just starting out at that time was a good thing because it made me experiment a little bit more and uh-huh. I was more focused on it. Yeah. When when something becomes more entrenched in our lives, we become less focused. Yeah. And so that's again why it's important to to stay in a um, uh, what's the word to stay in a routine where you are conscious of your decisions as uh-huh. opposed to defaulting to then what is the new habit. Why we want to create new habits mm-hmm. so that then it's easier we don't want to completely revert back to being in a habit because yeah. it's it's a subconscious way of thinking or unconscious way of thinking and you know if we, if we can be conscious people we're going to be more open to what's good in the world as opposed to just focusing on the negative okay so i really want to get on to now the main reason we're here and in october yeah. 2019 you're taking on a journey of 350 kilometers can you firstly introduce the event um, and also tell tell us and share the objectives and also the outcomes that you really want to get for mm. this? So um, in, in October, during um, a, a time of the year called Veterans Health Week, so the Department of Veterans Affairs has a Veterans Health Week every year where they focus on um, one aspect of life where they want to help make improvements. This year... Uh, it's mental health. Mm-hmm. So that really fits with the concept behind Run for Resilience and what, what I'm trying to achieve with it. Um, and so like last year, I was looking around for an event or a route where I could run that has some significant military history. So through having a connection to the past, we can better understand why things are now. Mm-hmm if we look at the problems that people had in the past and we can better understand maybe why we're having the problems now and we can create that um, that connection, better understanding and we get to go places and meet cool people. Yeah. <laughs> so I found, um, I found the Snowy River Marches or the Men from Snowy River Recruitment March which was in uh, 1916. So in 1916, 12 guys left delegate in mm-hmm. regional New South Wales, they're like way in the middle of nowhere, tiny, tiny little town now. But back then, you know, the majority of the population back in the, back in the day were regionally based. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this small town of delegate, 12 guys set off on a march over 350Ks. And then back in these days, it was all, you know, dirt roads and tracks. So it wasn't formed roads. It wasn't easy going. Um, and so they literally marched and then they went through town to town and they recruited more people to go to the war effort. So when they reached um, Goldburn at the end of um, the 350 Ks, there were 144 that arrived and they all went off to war after, after some training. So when I found about this route, I thought, this is actually really great. It's, it's not too big of a distance that's going to take too much time um, because three weeks of running last year was a lot of effort. <laughs> um, I'm not too keen to run for that long again in Ari. However, the seven days is almost a perfect time. It's not too long. It's a good opportunity to go through a long period of um, so over a long distance and meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But it's a small enough time that people can actually come and join in and participate and support. So I found the route and I'm like, okay, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be doable. I can do this. 
Then I went and visited the region. So I went down to Delegate and I drove through the route and I met just some amazing people along the way. What I found was the, the, the people in Delegate and the people along the route all loved the story, mm-hmm. uh, the original story. And they thought that what we were bringing to it was the next chapter in helping to promote their history because they're really proud of what, what their history is. Yeah. Um, and then luckily, actually, this year, in the same weekend that we're setting off, is the Delegate Progress Association. They're having a, um, a Heritage Week and they're having like a big um, sports day on the Saturday. So we're going to get involved with that with them. And then on the Sunday, we're going to set off on the mar- on the run. Sorry. Um, there's also a track that goes through part of the way that we're running called the Bundian Way. It's an old, um, it's an ancient Aboriginal route where they used to walk from the coast to the mountain. Um, and so there's going to be a a, um, uh, a group of people from Delegate who are going to walk the first, I think it's eight and a half k's or nine k's of the Bundian Way. So we'll join them for that first part. Um, and so essentially the run the run is about meeting with and connecting with people in the communities not just veterans not just first responders but civilian community mm-hmm. to better understand what it is and how it is that they they live and the things that they do to help themselves whilst we're doing it we're meeting with the veterans and the first responders and we're having conversations with them to reintroduce them back into the community but what we're doing and one of the main objectives is that we're taking with us tools and resources that we have that we can help make available yeah um and we're talking about things digital things like apps um facebook groups that they can join um different programs that are available for diff- through different organizations and so it's having these tools and resources in your tool belt which when you do have that struggle you can reach out and find that connection with someone who has been there or who understands um, some of these programs are civilian based so mm-hmm. they're the ones that we can give to communities and exchange you know information with um, we'll pass through you know we're going to visit schools again we're going to visit community groups again and in those conversations we get to share the history that they know mm-hmm. of the um, Snow River marches but then we're also going to share what it means to be a contemporary veteran show the similarities mm-hmm. and then as we're leading into um, Remembrance Day on the 11th of November then you know we get to say how important that remembering the past but also honouring the present mm-hmm. how important that is um, that answers the question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you physically prepare for this? you don't <laughs> um, and then I suppose how do you how do you almost practice to pop out the other side when things get tough yeah just having structure and routine in your day right Mm -hmm. i've said i've said it before um in this chat and i'll definitely say it again it's it's so important that we have routine and structure in our lives because that's what helps to keep us level it's our Mm -hmm. our foundation if you know we go out of routine um, and we know how to get back into it, even if it takes a few days, sometimes it takes a few days, it might take a little bit longer, that's okay. If you can return to your baseline, then you've got that ability then to sort of bounce back. Mm-hmm. And that's resilience. Being able to go, whoop, this has thrown me off, off keel. Yep. But then you use the resources that you have available, then you get back to your normal baseline, get back into your structure and routine. So what I found last year um, was the first three or four days were essentially just like a normal week. You know, you, you get up and you go for a run. You can do that for a few days and without having too many issues. Where I struggled last year was at about day five mm-hmm. through day seven, everything hurt and it was horrible. And I was actually seriously doubting whether I could continue doing it because I was in that much pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. That tested, really tested you know, my resolve. But what I found after pushing through was that day eight I woke up and I was almost pain free. Yeah. Um, and so trusting the process that, that you're going to, once you start pushing through that pain point, if you can get through that, that, that block or that obstacle, 
you'll probably find that you'll pop out the other side and you'll have adapted. Mm-hmm. Adaptation's amazing. Our bodies are really good at doing it. Humans are actually really good at adapting to new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, again, is really part of resilience. If you adapt to the problem, you know, you should be able to um, figure out a way to get through it. So basically, it's, it's if you if initially... Um, initially if you're struggling just keep trying to do what you're doing but have people behind you that are going to help you and then if you keep working towards it don't give up you'll get through so to go back to the question because I kind of got off it but um, how do you prepare for it just by having structure and routine mm-hmm. and you're just doing doing training or whatever it is you need to do to prepare for something I train most days and so it's it's fairly easy just to get up and continue to do it if it's something that you're used to doing. It's like everyone's everyone can get up and go to work mm-hmm. Monday to Friday because that's what they always do. It's it's routine. Um, you may not always enjoy it, <laughs> but there's days you do, there's days you don't. Yeah. If something happens and you can't go to work that day, well, you must be sick. There's something going on. Yeah. You deal with it. You get over it, and then you can go back to work again. Mm-hmm. And it's much the same as as the running. If if it's a harder day, and, and when I was on the runs, if there was a harder day, I'd break it up into three or four pieces to yeah. make it smaller so you can chunk it down. Yeah. And I said this earlier when I was talking about you know, getting through an actual bigger event. It's the same thing as when you're doing a multi-day. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always have the luxury to, if it's a race, to stop and have a break because there might be cutoffs, mm-hmm. but there's always aid stations. And if you know your cutoffs, then you can work towards them and you can get through them. Um, so how do you get through it or how do you train for it have structure and routine have a plan know that it's going to get easier mm-hmm. but it has to get harder first yep. and then once you've gone through that period of adaptation then generally it, it does become more routine and it's easier and being the director of the cause does that almost does it work hand in hand as extra motivation but then also extra pressure definitely yeah and then how do you separate those two how do you go okay i've put that much effort into getting this to the day and then come the day when it all happens and i suppose the time that it happens how do you then take that director hat off and go okay wayne the athlete has to get this done (laughs) um i think actually the the easy way to to answer that is just by saying through delegation Mm -hmm. you need to have a community of people around you who can support you mm-hmm. because we can't do everything in life on our own mm-hmm. um, I've tried it it doesn't work yeah. I know many other people who have tried it and it doesn't work you may be able to pull it off for a little while but just the sheer load of what you're trying to do if you don't have a team around you of people who understand and who are focused on the same mission and the outcome mm-hmm. then it's going to be so much tougher and that's like I said earlier as well one of the amazing things about insurance running or yeah or, almost any sort of running is that the people around you are all on the same mission mm-hmm. they're all focused on the same result it might be the athletes it might be the event staff the volunteers the you know the race director they're all focused on the same mission if the race director didn't have his volunteers none of the race would happen because they can't do everything yeah so it's making sure that that no matter what we do in life we plan to be able to delegate some of those roles and responsibilities to other people. Mm-hmm. And just in that question, such an amazing turn of the wheel because you've gone to the army, joined a team, you came back, went to running because you didn't want to be around anyone and then now you've just said the importance of team to get something up and running. So it's quite an amazing, like just your journey within that and just to almost know that that's how it works yeah it's quite amazing to see that that has come full circle so um, you're almost you really are living proof of just that ability to adapt and make the change um lastly if there are any veterans out there um that are doing it tough or even those who aren't uh, or if you know someone's doing it tough can you give any tips or messages to them and also to us civilians of how we can approach the situation um for anyone that is doing it tough, it's it is always important to to say, you know, definitely reach out to someone. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of avenues to do that, whether it's going to see your GP mm-hmm. or using an online resource or a tool. 
having a chat to a mate, just just get a friend, go to a coffee shop or sit on the beach and just have a conversation. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be about specifically what's going on, but just talking to someone about anything yeah. will generally help things unravel. Um, I think for most people, what you should do is just go for a run. Mm-hmm. Go for a run with someone else. If you go for a run long enough, you'll just start talking and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I know not everyone's able to run. Yep. So find find what it is that you enjoy to do, what you're passionate about, and go and do that. Yep. If you don't know what that is, then just explore opportunities. Mm. But try and do something that is going to be sustainable. Um, you know, Don't fall back into, and I'll, I'll, I'm guilty of it, you know, bad habits, mm-hmm. um, you know, some coping mechanisms that people might be have, or people, some, some coping mechanisms that people might have, you know, can include you know, drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, I used alcohol in bad ways mm-hmm. for a period. And understanding that those things aren't sustainable is yep. important. They can be used as a tool, mm-hmm. but they're not the only tool. They're mm-hmm. certainly not the best tool. Yeah. Um, conversations asking for help or even just you know doing some research into why you're feeling how you feel know that you know most things you can overcome Mm -hmm. either on your own or with support nothing is generally that significant that you cannot you know deal with the issue Um, I know a lot of people are scared to ask for help but I think that we need to change the stigma around asking for help mm-hmm. and what it means to ask for help and it's it's changing it is mm-hmm. but if we all acknowledge it and we all decide to make that change it will happen a lot quicker and we won't feel alone and we'll have people we can talk to because the biggest problem I think today we've been we are so connected yet we're so disconnected yeah yeah and it, you know we we all are very quick to jump onto a course um, and it's a great thing you know through social media but at the same time that sometimes creates the issue um, and like I said earlier you know we're happy to jump on for a day and it's you know that's one day a year where we go right we'll tick that box and we've done our bit we've shared a post but then what happens tomorrow or the month after and we're waiting another 12 months until we do it all again we got 10 likes on it and then we put it away again um, so it's just it's almost continually forcing it out and sometimes we're only really we get involved when it's somebody next to us yeah and at the same time, the person next to us might have been sitting there for five years and you've seen them every day, but you just didn't like to actually say, oh, mate, is everything okay? Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, just continually, I suppose, go get out of your comfort zone because that person wants to get out of their comfort zone, I suppose. So. Yeah. Um, good, good things don't happen in a comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. So, Wayne, thanks so much for your time today. I'm extremely grateful to have you share some of your time and speak and educate us uh, on an area which uh, I think that we should all continue to be educated on and more education needs to be done and us as individuals need to be a bit more grateful. Um, We already are, but instead of just the once or twice a year, be grateful for the freedom for people like yourselves that went off and gave us the ability to live in such a free and um, open space. So really appreciate what you're doing and all the best um, for October. If you do, you want to share how people can donate. Um, if you need any sponsors as well, and or maybe thank your sponsors. Yeah, sure. Um, well, definitely, we would love everybody to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, we you can go to our website www.run4 as in the number four, not F O U R. Run for resilience org, um, and then also Facebook same name um, run for resilience but with the for and um, just keep an eye out on you know social media for all our posts we do some stuff we're going to be doing more very shortly it's going to talk a little bit more about the actual event and what's happening because it's just over two months away now mm-hmm. um, um, we still need a couple of sponsors so more than happy to have people come and help out um, as in corporate sponsors but then if you want to contribute mm-hmm. we're going to be having a couple of things where you can purchase coffee or shirts um, to go towards the the project but also towards our charity partner who is PTSD Resurrected Great. Um, and then also you can you can make just one off donations to the charity PTSD Resurrected um, you can do that through our website as well um, 
what else was there? Um, oh, and sponsors. So so far, actually, the the running community has been really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sean Kaysler from Tribe and Trail, mm-hmm. he's come on board as a supporter for the event, mm-hmm. um, which is really awesome. They, so thank you, Tribe and Trail and Sean. Um, Gooder Sunglasses have also come come on board as being supporters for us. So definitely do support them. Um, if you're interested in getting free shipping on your sunnies from Gooder, hit me up. I've got a discount code. <laughs> a bit of a plug there. Um, and I also want to thank uh, a organisation out of Newcastle, over in New South mm-hmm. Wales, out of you. Um, Newcastle University called V-Shade. Yeah. So V-Shade's a online program um, that helps to connect veterans who may have trouble with drug or alcohol use. Okay. Um, and so essentially it's trying to find ways to help people overcome through finding community and, and, and um, you know talking about what it is that they're going through as opposed to bottling it up and holding it inside. Mm-hmm. So yeah, V-Shade are coming on board as major sponsors, so that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's about it. Cool, great. So what we'll do is we'll post everything in the show notes. Yep. Uh, like you said, you've got events coming up, so um, just keep us posted and I can share that out through our platforms as well. So Thank you. Uh, we can get as much support as possible because it's a great cause and I think as much information that can get out there would be great. So yeah, yep. thanks again, Wayne, and uh, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing how you go. Thanks, thanks Ellen. Man. Cheers.